the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track in your browser. Register, get yourself 40% off that first year. Download the app, personalize it, tell it which teams and sports you love the most, and get exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips. You can also find the latest athletic articles for your favorite teams built into the sidebars or straight in your, in your timeline on your phone on all SpotTrack sports pages and team pages. Theathletic.com slash SpotTrack gets you started today. We are also provided by Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football. Visit DynastyOwner.com, get started, click the How It Works button. You're going to find out about all the bells and whistles that are, can be built into this cut, fully customizable, real NFL salaries, bench points, the works. This is about as well thought out of a fantasy football system as you can find anywhere. It's a great app. It's a great website. It's easy to keep up with. And it's difficult. This is not your run-of-the-mill system. DynastyOwner.com gets you started today. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy Wednesday. Happy June 1st. Big day for the NFL. Lots of cap ramifications. I've laid that out on SpotTrack.com and on Twitter at SpotTrack. We will update those at 4 p.m. Eastern when things become actually official. And you'll see plenty of teams for 11 players that were designated post-June 1st releases gain plenty of cap space. And in some cases, that's going to turn to new extensions. I think that'll be the case in a few places, but we'll keep track of that as well. And some of these players have yet to re-sign with a new team. So speaking of available free agents, keep an eye out for some of those guys latching on as camps hmm, about six weeks away until training camp. NBA to start today. Keith Smith joins to discuss Zion Williamson and the details of what could be his contract, because that's really starting to hit to the forefront. Will they give him a full max contract? How might it look? What kind of conditionals for injuries and games missed can they build into that? We'll compare it to Joel Embiid and things like that. And really just a, a conversation on conditional contracts in the NBA and some things that Keith would like to see change in the next CBA and, and really good conversation about that. On the back end of the show, we talk some football, but not, not so much the contracts today. Uh, with June 1st being here, it's a good time to kind of take the barometer of the divisional odds at FanDuel Sportsbook and check out where value may be, right? We're not just a value in terms of finances. We're a value in terms of betting odds as well. Cousin Dan joins, goes division to, to division with me, some conference discussions as well. Certainly which favorites you should be putting your money on because the value's there. And then we, and maybe in the middle of the pack, a couple of those sleeper teams that may sneak up not only on the division, but also on the conference as well. So that's your Wednesday show. All right, we gave Keith Smith a little break from doing the writing. He's been <laughs> cranking away on our off-season pieces for Bottrek.com. I think we're almost to the finish line with those, Keith, right? We're, uh, we're at least into playoff teams at this point. Yeah, we're deep in the playoff teams, thankfully. We're, 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 we're plugging away. We're, we're getting there, so it'll be good. But it, it's really good prep for the off-season, and I'm really excited uh, you know, to, to be doing them. Yeah, real quick before we switch gears to our feature here, You've done this a long time. How is this offseason kind of uh, setting itself up? Is it going to be standard standard quo, status quo in terms of a couple of superstars moving around? Is it going to be more than usual, maybe a little bit less than usual, in your opinion? I think we're still going to see um, star movement, but I think we're going to see it via trades yeah. uh, instead of via um, free agency. There's just not great players on the free agent market. Um, it would certainly get interesting if a guy like Zach Levine is serious about, Hey, maybe I do want to move on. Cause that opens things up a little bit more, but other than him, most of the main guys are expected to probably resign right where they are. But then what I think 
uh, anytime we're in a capped out environment where there's only a handful of teams with cap space, I think that means that the trade market's going to be you know really crazy. Because the other thing too is we've got Boston and Golden State tipping off the finals here you know this week. They're they're both good, but the, these are not the inevitable warriors. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics are good, but they're not seen as like, oh man, how do we ever going to get past them? I think if you could get teams to to open up and be honest about it, I think you'd have 10, 12 teams feeling like, hey, why not us? Yeah. And anytime you have that, you have an offseason where people are going to really go for it. Real quick, on the team building side of it, you mentioned those are not dominant teams by any margin, right? They've all had their ups and downs. Boston was one of the worst teams in basketball to start the year. It, are, we, are we moving away? Are we cycling away? Are we phasing away from the big three scenario that it take that it used to take to get yourself to the championship? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't want to go quite there yet. I mean, the 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 Lakers won that way just two years ago. Um, so I, I don't know that we're necessarily that's the direction it's gonna go. I just think what teams are looking at now though is I don't think you're gonna see teams do what the Lakers try to do this year, yeah. which is hey, we just gotta get three guys and then we'll fill out with minimums the rest of the way. I think it's more or we have to have, you know, at least seven, eight, nine, ten guys deep, especially with the way teams prioritize being healthy and rested for the playoffs now over the way they used to do it. I, I think, you know, it used to be you know, hey, we we have to, you know, win all these regular season games. Now it's about, all right, you know, we just got to have enough depth to get through the regular season, ideally have home court advantage in the first round, and then we'll figure it out from there. So I do think we may see a little bit more balanced team building approach versus the all right, loaded up top heavy, and then we'll figure it out from there. I think those days might be going away. All right, that smooth transitions into another situation of, injury slash potential big time financial upgrade here with Zion Williamson. That's certainly the hot topic right now in the NBA outside of obviously the NBA finals. Um, Will they, won't they, how much will they, will it be fully guaranteed? Will they just consider trading him now? We've had these conversations before, but it seems like it's starting to get real, especially as the league year approaches just a month away now for 2022-23. Zion Williamson and an improved New Orleans Pelicans roster, Keith. Where do you stand right now with that? And then let's dive into some of the uh, projected contract details here. Yeah, I I think the Pelicans have a chance to be pretty good next year. Now the challenge is the West is probably going to be really good next year. The West took a little bit of a downturn uh, this season, but I think we're going to see getting into next year, we're going to see that right back to to what it was where it's you got to run the gauntlet to to get through in the western conference and and i think you know with the pelicans though you add zion to that group they're probably 10 11 12 deep and guys that can actually play they've got the eighth pick this year in the draft courtesy of the los angeles lakers they actually have only one uh standard free agent which is kind of crazy too. They have 14 of their 15 guys under contract for next year. Um, They don't really have any bad contracts on the books. So there's all sorts of ways this can go, but you're absolutely right. It all kind of keys on the one guy. Um, They're a nice team without Zion. With Zion, they have a chance to maybe be a pretty special team. Sounds like you think the contract is absolutely going to happen and that trading him right now is not even in the cards for New Orleans. Is that where your head is? Yeah, I would not even I would have to be insanely blown away to trade him. Like, like you're talking, you know, one of the, the the Orlando Magic offer the first pick and 
and then every other pick that they can offer plus a whole bunch of other stuff kind of thing, which the magic aren't going to do that. And and even then I don't know that the Pelicans, they, they should, but I, I think they might look at that and be like, yeah, I don't know. You know, we're, we're pretty good, you know, with the guy we got. So I, I, I just, it's, it's hard because now we're a full year removed from him playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote this one when I wrote the, the piece about his contract for the site, um, he's only played in 85 games. But boy, were those 85 games good. Um, you know, we, we kind of forget that. He, he's been as dominant of an offensive player as the league has had in that time. And if you think, all right, you know, sometimes these guys, I go back, it's a weird comp because they're very, very different players. But Brooke Lopez, in the early years of his career, it looked like this guy's going to be good, but he's never going to be healthy. He's going to go through all these injuries, and then you're never going to have on the floor kind of went through the same thing with Joel Embiid yeah. and then Embiid's been banged up on occasion and Lopez just had the back but that's 12 years or so into his career um it's there sometimes these guys they do just get past these things and then they don't pop back up and then all of a sudden it's like wow we gave up on this guy and look at how great he is so for those reasons I, I don't think there's any chance they trade him I think they'll they'll do what they have to do to get an extension done um yeah, within reason, and I know we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be back in New Orleans. Um, you know, next year clearly um, on his last year of his rookie skill deal, but even the years beyond that too. The the interesting part to me is that they could have New Orleans could have replaced him in the past twelve months because they basically replaced every single other position in the starting five to some degree, right? Valanciunas is now the big man. And it's a fantastic compliment to what Zion would be as a power forward, right? I mean, that is that that could be very, very special for for the for the Pelicans going over the next couple of years here. Herbert Jones just immediately went from zero to a hundred in that in that small forward role. And Ingram is now all grown up. And, and now the Ingram McCollum situation is nice. There's maybe a little bit of a crossover there. And this team probably needs a point guard. You, you mentioned they have the number eight pick. You mentioned they have probably too many players on this roster right now in terms of a surplus of uh, availability. So they could go out and get and find that point guard via the trade, which has been something a lot of teams have been able to do over the past couple of years. My, my point is there's a, there's a path for Zion to come right back into this starting lineup and fit with this improved group. So I, I agree with you. I think some, some sort of contract is coming and it's not just going to be a sign him to keep him here for now. And then we'll worry about trading him later. I think it's about, keeping this guy here long term. So with that in mind, Keith, are you buying the rumors that New Orleans will not fully guarantee this extension, which can be five years, 186 max right now? I I think there is a chance that that is the way this goes. Now, I don't think they'll push it as far as, um, all right, fine, then let's just table it. I, I don't think that's going to be the way it goes. I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll find some form of common ground. But I think if you're the Pelicans, I know the reporting was an NFL style contract, which I I think is a little unfair because they're very, very different things. Um, As I know, you know better than probably anyone else in the world, uh, how different the two are. Um, But I think so the, the comp I make is the Joel Embiid contract where very similar situations, you know, looked good. Um, at times, but had some real injury uh, history. And and so what they did in that Joel Embiid contract was they made, they gave him the full max, but what the 76ers said was, all right, but what we're going to do is we're going to build it in that it's non-guaranteed in the, the later years. 
And in order for it to become guaranteed, you have to hit games played and or minutes threshold to get there. And what we're going to do is if you have a recurrence, and that's the important part, if you have a recurrence of these injuries, and the Pelicans could specify which ones they want to specify as well, as long as Zion and his camp are amenable to it, if those come up again, then we can get out of it. But I think the key thing that gets missed within that is Get out of it means we have to wait. <laughs> I was going to bring this just... point up, Keith, because all these conditional contracts basically say that. You know what I mean? And, and exactly. that's just not something that's common in basketball. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It is very uh, di- different from just saying like, you know, oh, hey, we're going to take your money down. Like, that's not how basketball contracts work. Um, so so that's the, the key part there. You have to be willing to say, you know, all right, you know what, Zion rebroke his foot. And we don't think he's ever going to get back to, you know, really not just back to what he was, but back to even delivering close to the value of his deal. So we're just going to move on more. We're going to waive him and move on entirely and set him free to go where he wants to go. That is rare that we would ever see that happen in the NBA, because one thing in the NBA, guys still have value, if nothing else, as salary matching uh, pieces in trades. And it's it's the little uh dehumanizing to put it that way but that's the reality of it is that that is you know kind of how it works so that's why you know when we say this people think it's like well this guy could lose all this money well he he could but it's only then he's going to get waived and you know what when you're zion williamson and that good somebody else is going to give you an opportunity and pay a whole bunch of money too just because that's the way it works unless it's truly your career is over and then you know that's a that's a whole different story but yeah it's i I think the pelicans will do what they can to protect themselves um in this next contract but i think there's going to be a middle ground between protecting themselves and angering the player so much Mm -hmm. that then it turns into you know what i don't even want to deal with this you know let's uh table it and we'll figure it out later yeah, a couple of thoughts here. I, I, I'll start with your latter one because it's a good one. This is not the Lakers. This is not a major market team that can kind of carry the leverage and and, and put this out there and say, you're going to do it our way or you're, or you're not going to be here. This is New Orleans, right? This is the team that just got walked over by Anthony Davis publicly, right? Literally sitting on, on, on their sidelines in a, in a ridiculous t-shirt saying, I'm out of here as quickly <laughs> as possible. I'm never playing for this team again. This is that franchise. So they have to be extremely delicate with how they handle these, these negotiations and really the whole process. And, and unfortunately, they're going to be bullied into the contract, in my opinion, because of those kind of things. But you're right. It, it, you, I'm glad you mentioned the NFL side of this, the NFL contract, because the NFL contract is as ticky-tacky as, as is humanly possible in sports contracts right now, to the point of where teams are protecting themselves from one game missed, let alone... 25 <laughs> yeah. games missed or a year missed. It is down to if our quarterback has to miss one game, we're not going to pay him for that game. That's where we are right now with these contracts. That's not what we're talking about here. And I don't think we'll ever get there with the NBA. You said it. This is about protecting from career ending injuries to the point of where we're three years into a five-year contract and this guy just flat out can't play basketball anymore. That's, what, that's the kind of conditionals that are going to get built in here, right? Because even a half, even a 50% Zion is tradable in this, in this league. As you mentioned, everybody's tradable. I mean, El Horford was sitting on a bench last year doing nothing as one of those just throw him into the trade pieces, get him off of our books, and now he's in the NBA Finals. So it, we've seen so many uh, you know, cases where guys have gone all the way down. Even Blake Griffin, to some degree, right, has been sort of a, 
a, a Zion type comp, I think, where he was this athletic freak for a couple of years. You knew his body wasn't going to be able to hold up, but even he was able to bounce around a little bit because he had some kind of value. That's probably the worst case scenario for Zion here, right? Yeah, well, without a doubt. That, that's what it is. It is, we need to protect ourselves if this guy can never really play again. And, and, and your, your point is right. If, if it's, yeah, you know, he's missing 30 games a year, 40 games a year, well, we'll deal with it. We'll figure it out because probably the 34, the, the 40, 50, 60 games we get, they're going to be really good. So we're, we're content, content with that. I think it's also important to know, too, as we, we discuss all this, Zion, we're recording this on June 1st. Mm -hmm. Zion is 21 years old. <laughs> he doesn't turn 22 for another month. <laughs> like this is, we're talking about a guy who he, the, I'm thinking he's going to get past this stuff. I mean, it, sometimes we see it, right? We, we see Greg Oden, good example, never got past it. Never could get over the injuries, was out of the league, you know, very quickly. Um, some other guys, it's more talent-based. But injury-wise, a lot of times these guys come in, they get banged around early, and they get, uh, you know, then they get over it and they move on. One of the guys I talk about a lot with that is Bradley Beal. Mm. There was a point early in his career when he was on his rookie deal where it was like, this guy's never going to be healthy. He's always hurt. And then other than last year, which was kind of a fluke injury to his non-shooting wrist, uh, Bradley Beal figured it out and was able to stay healthy for years and years. Um, I already mentioned Brooke Lopez. So I think what you also do by if you can get him to agree with you're the Pelicans by signing a deal where it's like, hey, if the foot or the knee come up again as injuries, yeah. you put a little bit of pressure on him to put the work in to try to make sure that he can physically do what he can to avoid those things. Now, you have to be smart about this on both sides, too, because we don't want it to get into a position where I got to play one more game to trigger my guarantee. Um, and then it's really like the guys out there with no mm. excuse. And you would hope that's where it's like, you know what? We're going to do the right thing as an organization and we'll just guarantee it because that's always in the team's power. They, they can always override any of the guarantee stuff and say, no, we're just going to give it to, to a player for that. You mentioned Al Horford. That's essentially what the assumption is happening now is yeah. he's still got seven more million that he can earn if Boston wins the NBA finals for next season. And it sounds like the Celtics have already decided, Hey, you're getting that guaranteed no matter what we don't care. You know, win or lose where we're bringing you back. But to bring it back to Zion, I think if you're Zion's camp, you're going to start the negotiations with, I want the five-year max mm -hmm. with a player option on the end. That's where, where you go. If you're the Pelicans, I think you're going to start it with, we want a five-year, no player option with some of these non-guarantees in there. And then each side starts you know, out, and then you meet in the middle somewhere. That's generally how, how these things go. The middle here, a little bit harder, um, but I think you can get there. And New Orleans has been very creative with what they've done with options and non-guarantees. They did that in the Josh Hart contract. Mm -hmm. He's since been traded to the Trailblazers. But he is the closest thing to a Major League Baseball mutual option as there is in the NBA on his final year, which is a player option that if it's, if he exercises his player option, the contract then becomes non-guaranteed, which means New Orleans can still get out of it if they want to. So that is, you know, really kind of interesting the way they set that up. So both sides have an out there if, if they, they really want to take it. Um, I think that could be what we see here. Whereas if you're New Orleans, it's, 
you know what, we'll give you the option on the end, but you got to give us some of the non-guarantee money. Um, and we've seen that even if it's not the Embiid style, um, we've seen that uh, Michael Porter Jr. did mm-hmm. something similar in his uh, contract extension, which kicks in next season. Um, not exactly the same because his is only the final year um, is, is, is partially guaranteed. But I think that may be where we head uh, with this, just to, to give everybody a little bit of something there. So that's like a mutual option in baseball. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I really yeah. like that. I think that's a nice compromise because then, because if you're if you're at the fifth year of this contract, something's gone right, probably. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If you're yeah, New absolutely. Orleans, what about yep. de-escalating the salaries? Yeah, you could do that. Your challenge is there. He'd he'd have to give up a ton of money to do that mm. because in the NBA, you the, I'll do a quick quick tangent. I promise it'll be quick. I would like to see in the next CBA. If you want to offer a player a max deal, which right we've already talked about for Zion is is um five years, 185 million roughly. Um, what I would like to see is you can take it's still that five 185, but you can reverse it, where it's we we pay the 42 in in the final year, put that on the front and let it go down. Um, oh, right. each year. I would love to see that. The challenge is that doesn't exist today because all you can do is you start at the max and then you could do an 8% decrease off that. But the challenge is he'd be giving up significant money. Keith, I can't to, believe that's not built in. Yeah, I would love I, to I see I was that. already in the, under the assumption that what you just laid out was possible, that you would just yeah. take the fifth salary and make it the first. Yeah, unfortunately it isn't because that would take you above that, that year's individual max. Wow. I would like to see them do that only in situations on max contracts sure. to be clear. Cause I, I don't, I don't want to see it where, well, you know what? We only have 10 million in cap space left, but, but we're going to trigger this to give you 12 and then go down. I just, I think that that's a little too tricky there, but I think if you're doing a full five-year max, we have all these uh, different rules already around designated players and jumping salary tiers and all yeah. that. I'd like to see them give the team a one-time option at signing to say, we're going to reverse it. In Zion's case, that maybe be a little odd just because he's he's such a young guy. Right. Maybe this um, is only I, a thirty-five percent rule, right? Exactly. I I think when you're you're getting those guys who are they're thirty now and they're on their third contract and you want to give them a max and you're not sure how that's going to look in in year five, like James Harden, wouldn't you? Don't you think the Sixers would love <laughs> to be able to front load that? You know, and do it that way um, versus paying them sixty million dollars in year five if that's what it comes down to. Like that's where I think I'd love to see that come in, but unfortunately, it doesn't exist yet. But maybe in a couple of years when we get a new CBA, maybe that is something they'll build in. Okay, so I uh, I think we're in agreement with where this Zion situation is headed. I think it's I, I do think that player option is going to be a bit a bit contentious, but it sounds like New Orleans has dealt, dealt with this quite a bit in the past. The five for 185 or 186 is probably going to be what this transaction looks like at some point in time with, with knee and foot conditionals built in as a safety net for a last resort. That's probably all that's going to happen here, right? But let's just go the other way. Let's just lay it out for the, for the audience here, Keith. What if, what if for some reason <laughs> that's not the offer? They never go the one, they never offer 186 million over five. They only want to go three for a hundred or whatever it's going to be. And Zion says flat out, I'm not doing it. Walk us down the path to Zion says no to an extension in New Orleans. What what do the next 18 months look like for Zion in New Orleans? Yeah. So then you have to do, you have a couple things you have to really look at and, and consider there is they, they, we, and I wrote about this on the site. Yeah. Um, 
the idea of him just signing the qualifying offer, which would be to be clear, that would be next summer in the summer of 2023. Um, his qualifying offer will be about 17.6 million. Mm-hmm. And that is that that is higher because the rookie scale contracts have gone up so much. Um, but it is I think that's just insane to think he would do that because some team somewhere will create enough cap space to offer him more than 17.6 million. So at that point, I think what he does, he would do is say, all right, which is option two, then I'll just take it to restricted free agency. In that situation, he would have a four-year, $138 million deal on the table um, if he left New Orleans. Um, and in that, because there are offer sheets and you're trying to get the other team to not match, they put all the bells and whistles in there. So, uh, they would do, um, front loaded money, a 15% trade bonus and probably a player option on the fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what they do in that upfront payments, those are upfront actual payments, not upfront cap. It's just want to be clear on that since we had already talked about, about the cap side of it um previous so what you do there is all right of that 130 38 million uh, in year one you're going to get 32 but what we're going to do rather than paying you you know twice a month we're going to give you 20 million of it on you know july 1st um kind of the ben simmons treatment right yeah exactly yep so that's and that's become more of a thing in recent years where guys are kind of getting paid up front um with that but so that's your your thing there now the pelicans still have control because he'd be a restricted free agent, so they could just say, great, we match that. But we've seen that kind of go sideways on teams in the past because that fourth-year player option, I know that sounds like it's a far far, far away mm-hmm. um, in the future, but it comes up very, very quickly. And then the guy almost always opts out, and then we see him turn around and leave. Um, then the other option that the Pelicans have, which we kind of talked about before, is if extension talks are not going the way you want them to go, um, and to be clear, how the extensions work is you have until the start of the season to to hammer out an extension. That's that that's when everything you know, wraps up there, um, and then that's all tabled, and the guy has to play out. If you you feel like you know what it's not going the way we want it to go, then maybe you do look at a trade and let the kind of almost in that sense it's all right. We're going to get a monster package back for this guy. And we're going to let it be somebody else's problem. You you figure all that out you know on your own uh, when we trade. So that's the 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 thing we could see happen there. Um, you know with that it's it's more likely um highly highly more likely we would see him traded than extended with his new team than extended and traded because when you extend and trade that triggers the poison pills and base year compensation it just gets very messy and it'd be almost impossible to make a trade work it's probably the last case scenario here but just to clarify some of the things you were saying let's say the extension doesn't happen by october 1st here and and zion's got to play out that 13 and a half million i don't think he would i think he would (laughs) hold out slash demand a trade at that point. But let's just say it happens and he plays out the 13-5 next season and gets himself to that restricted free agency point. New Orleans still has the exact same contract offer available yep. to them, right? So you're yep. talking the four-year your offer sheet elsewhere, but New Orleans can still come back and say, all right, we've seen enough. We can still go five for 186 on you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they did with Brandon Ingram. Um, Brandon Ingram, they didn't come to an agreement with Brandon Ingram uh, on an extension, played it out. Play, played it in the restricted free agency. Again, another situation where there were health concerns. I think we've kind of forgotten with Brandon Ingram. He had that uh, you know, shoulder um artery uh, deal that was, you know, kept him sidelined for a while and was unclear if he was gonna be able to to play. 
um, any longer. And thankfully he got past that and everything's okay, but that's what they did. They let it play out. And then they handed him a five-year max deal on July 1st of that year and just said, here you go, five-year max, we're done and off we go. Do you believe that Zion is watching this DeAndre Ayton situation closely right now to kind of see how this plays out? Yeah, probably a little bit because I think there is a sense there of, all right, I need to see what happens um, in this situation to make sure we are, uh, we're, we're watching this play out as far as how our team's treating a big man, right. um, a big man who's not a you know per- perimeter oriented guy or a um, also a top tier defensive big. Um, I, I think there there are some similarities. Zion, I think, is a far better all around offensive player. Um, they, they, they don't even think that's particularly close, but, but yeah, I do think that there is, you know, definitely an eye on that to see, you know, all right, Hey, this could be a cautionary tale for how this plays out because if Aiden gets himself into a spot where it doesn't really work out great for him, then all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a position where it's, all right, you know what, uh, maybe signing that five year, even with some protections looks a lot better to me. Okay. Last question. I'm going to put you in the GM role in, in new Orleans. Do you offer the contract right now, July 1st, right out of the gate? Or do you want to see 50 games from Zion this year and make sure that you understand exactly where he is physically and then you'll, you'll play the eight and route and, you, and it'll be there for him next year if it's available? Nope. I give him the, I, the offer I'm putting on the table is we'll give you the full five-year max, um, but I want the Embiid protections in there. I want protected for the foot and the knee. Um, I want those protections and we'll, we'll take that risk on um, that if you you know only just meet the games played uh, thresholds or the minutes thresholds, or we're we're fine. We'll we'll figure that out. Um, you know we'll 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 be okay. And then in my back pocket, I have the all right. You you want something on your end? Let's talk fifth year player option. And that that's what I would do. I did keep that that held. I, I would I'd feel really uncomfortable going the five year fully guaranteed max. I just think that's 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 a little too risky when I've only seen essentially one full season's worth of games out of him in uh, three years. Good stuff, Keith. We'll keep uh, looking for your stuff on spotrack.com. There's a couple more teams to go there, and then we're going to switch hard into the offseason mode with free agent lists and trade candidates and all that fun stuff, and eventually we'll have to talk Lakers here, right? Because they're still broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that'll be a good long show. We'll figure that one out. All right, Keith, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Dan, prepare to be uh, very busy over the next few weeks because uh, the NFL offseason is now ramping up. Now that we're past the post-June 1st situation, many of these caps are going to solidify a little bit. More signings will happen, which means the time to get in now on some of these future bets is here because some, some late-season trades, some late-season signings, certainly some injuries can move the money. I know you've been watching this over the past couple of weeks, and some teams have already moved quite a bit. What are those teams if we're talking about divisions for 2022 in the NFL? Yeah, so like you said, we've been tracking these for a couple weeks now. We basically started after the draft, um, and the movement has been pretty stagnant for the most part um, since that point. But specifically, two teams um, have had a lot of movement, um, those being the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Really different scenarios there, right? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I mean, so to just kind of lay those both out, the – the lions are, are still pretty big underdogs, obviously to win that division, but um, it, it, it's 
the odds have moved up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks from what they were um, yeah. earlier on in the season. They're not last. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a couple of weeks ago, they were about a, um, 10 to one odds. They're closer to eight and a half at this point. And um, the Eagles now that division is much, much closer between those top two teams. Um, the Eagles yeah. were um, about two and a half and now they're closer to two, two to one odds. Um, and, and to, and Dallas, the, the favorites in both those divisions, Green Bay and Dallas, have come back um, towards even odds a little bit as well. So, what's fascinating to me though is you, you can one hundred percent understand why Philly's uh, getting money at thrown at them right now. A, not a lot of people believe in Dallas. I'm one of them. B, the AJ Brown trade and a really strong draft maybe put some people over the edge in that regard. And, and I, I might be convinced to be in that camp at some point in time. Detroit's not that team. Detroit had a good draft. They made a splashy first round pick in Jameson Williams, which I know you loved, but that's still Jared Goff. That's still, you know, there's still a very young defense, some, some, you know, pass production there, but I'm not sure if the secondary is ready to grow into that division just yet. Is it more about the rest of the teams in that division and less about Detroit or, or help me understand exactly why Detroit is now, you know, basically an eight to one to win that division. It's probably a blend of both, quite honestly, Mike. Detroit has been pretty popular in the talking circles um, ever since the draft, really. Like a lot of people uh, like at least the direction that they're heading on, you know, similar to us. We're in that boat as well. We're we're kind of tackling this from like a a betting perspective. Um, So basically it's sort of narrative based and there's a lot of hype around them, which I, in my opinion, that's why the odds have kind of went the direction they have been, but um, it's a little bit of a testament to, to, you know, the, the separation in that division. It's pretty clearly the the Packers. um, Mm -hmm. And then nobody else really like loves the other three teams in that division. So between the Vikings and the lions, I think people are just taking the plus, you know, the, the significantly better odds with the lions instead of leading towards Minnesota when really Minnesota is probably the smartest bet to, to unseat the pack. No question. No question for the division. I would, I would say that's the answer. I'd be a lot more comfortable betting the lions to make the playoffs than I would to win the division. That's just where I stand with them. They seem to be percolating toward that bubble, that fringe, that in the hunt conversation, even if Aaron Rodgers gets injured, I still think it's Kirk Cousins' division, don't you? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I actually like Minnesota quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like people have gone stale with like no quarterback change there, et cetera, but they did have a coaching staff change. I, I think that you might see that offense open up a little bit more than yeah, even what it's we a Rams coach, too, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and they, they have made it at least an effort to get better defensively, whether that translates or not. I guess we'll, we'll see, but. Um, I actually like the Vikings as a, a little bit of a sleeper team here. If they kind of like, if their odds kind of go in reverse here at all, I might jump in on them just to get a little bit of. Uh, that is something to watch, especially if exposure. Detroit remains, you know, keep being pumped up. Maybe Minnesota falls back a little bit. That's something to watch for sure. Let's kind of tear this out with the divisions. Give me, uh, give me one or two divisions and teams that you just think is an absolute slam dunk and should be Exhibit A in a parlay. So. There, yeah, we, like kind of like you just laid out, we we sort of want to identify teams that we think are clear favorites in a division, and um, <clears throat> and maybe identify where the market doesn't align with that. Um, specifically, the Bills. I, I mean, these are kind of like layups to to anyone listening, I'm sure. But the Bills and the Colts are are the two teams that I kind of identify this for this, and those will be the anchors 
um, in a bunch of parlays that that I put together. I think um, the the Bills are currently minus one eighty. The Colts are minus one hundred five. Um, I I think a lot of people like Tennessee way more than I do. I'm not I'm not there at all. So if um you know if the public if those two lines are closer because of you know perception that the the, the Titans are good, um I'll go against. I'll go against it there. And the bills are obviously clear favorites in that division. I'm really not sure why it's minus 180 unless they're just like really thinking one of the other three teams takes a major step forward. And maybe Buffalo has some injury regression, something like that. But I, I kind of can't figure out why, why it's like that. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? I think this time of year, uh, a lot of the money and certainly the odds are going to reflect that is just, reacting to loud noises (laughs) and and that's part of detroit right i mean that coach is loud that move up for jameson williams was loud right i mean they they made a splash they got themselves into the spotlight detroit in in a division where they haven't been able to do that in forever so i just think now there's been some fatigue with that team and there's a little bit of juice and a lot of people are running with that that's miami for me i mean miami nobody was louder than miami this offseason nobody and on paper, they're certainly better. If I'm, if I'm an AFC East better right now, first of all, the Bills at minus 180 is absolutely bettable and should be part of a parlay. No question about it. it it's, uh, it. it's good odds for the Bills based on what they look like and what we've seen over the past two years. But I'm watching New England because nobody's talking about Mac Jones, Dan. Nobody. Everybody thinks the regression is going to happen this year. And... It, it very well could. Alabama quarterbacks don't have good pedigrees and resumes in this league. But there's so much spotlight on Miami and so much juice, rightfully so, on Buffalo. If New England falls behind Miami in this division race, you have to bet them. If they go into the fives and 600s, you have to bet them, in my opinion, because that's, that's a fairly complete team. The offense is going to be basically what they were last year, and they won ballgames last year. And Mac Jones is a year now more experienced. So th- that, that, to me, is why... Buffalo is only minus 180. It's Miami doing so much this offseason financially from a team building perspective. The Brady stuff, the ownership stuff, they've been in the spotlight for freaking right forever, for every single week for the last eight, eight, nine months. So that's part of it for me. I, I got I to switch gears here and, and ask why you didn't bring the actual favorite team in, in all divisions. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are minus 320 to win the NFC South. Are you just staying away or are you just, is that just an oversight by you? It's just too much. I mean, if you want to throw them in, in yeah. for a parlay, but like at this point, so I don't even really like laying, you know, like 180 right. on a division winner this early, you know, having money tied up for the full length of the year. But um, like, that's where I'm trying to add favorite teams in a parlay that I think are pretty clear favorites. So if you wanted to add Tampa Bay in there to get the little bit of action, yeah. uh, you know, the little bit of better odds, um, just flat out though, I just I, no value. And, and that's a good conversation to have here, right? We're trying to find some value. And, and I think we both agree. Buffalo's got some value at minus one eighty, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. And in the saints, actually that we could talk about that for a quick second. The saints have actually moved towards, um, better odds in that division. So I'm not like, I, I'm not betting against Brady or that te- or the bucks being, a, you know, an elite team again this year, but there is a slight crack there 
that they could right. I mean, like just there's some turnover there. There was a little bit of roster uncertainty, the Brady stuff. Like, uh, do you, don't you think the door is at least a little bit open that if new Orleans is able to really like catch lightning in a bottle and Jameis is. Well, Jameis is limping right now. So that's, that scares the hell out of me, but I know what you're saying. There is, there is more continuity right now in new Orleans. and, And quite frankly, some of their draft picks should be immediate impact stars. So, I understand what you're saying. Can I throw a curveball into this conversation? I think it's more likely the Atlanta Falcons win this division than the Saints. Mm. <laughs> and and wow. they're 24 to 1 right now. So right. I, talk about an offense that has had a year to grow up. I completely understand there's a quarterback change, and that's why it's an impossible ask for anybody to put legitimate money down on the Falcons. I know you and I have both liked them quite a bit. And, and Matt Ryan... We're going to find out just how good Matt Ryan has been and talk about fatigue because of being in one place for too long and, and not having enough success around him. I think we're going to find out just how consistently good Matt Ryan has been for the past decade or so. But why can't Marcus Mariota come in and, and just stabilize that fort with what I think are a decent amount of weapons around him? No? I'm I'm not going to exactly like no, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm not going to like go all in on that either. But I will say if Tampa does stumble at all, the division is wide open beyond them. Right? 100%. Like, 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 so, so if Atlanta is that team that emerges, I wouldn't be totally shocked by that. Isn't it worth betting a dollar on Rich Strike to win the Kentucky Derby here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah it's fair. It's, yeah. It's totally fair. Okay. Uh, NFC North, we've covered. NFC South, we've covered. I'm going to hold off on the West, as you can imagine why. Uh, I know you, you want to talk Colts. I kind of alluded to it there with Matt Ryan. A lot of people are going to bet Tennessee, and I'm not even sure Tennessee's done adding pieces, by the way. I, I've heard a lot of rumors about a Julio comeback, some things like that. Who knows w- what that team's going to do? And, you know, they may extend Derrick Henry, Dan, <laughs> to, to kind of lower the cap hit and free some space up and keep him around for another two to three years guaranteed. There's a lot of noise. I want to go to the third team. I want to go to Jacksonville because talk about making a, making a splash this year, maybe a year earlier than we thought they were going to. I know we both like the coaching change. We, I think we're both on board with Trevor Lawrence and, and certainly you can think it's a, it's a breakout year for him. Is this, a, is this a Cincinnati Bengals candidate? Yeah, I like that a lot. That's sort of my, uh, my like long shot favorite for a long shot, if you will. I, I don't really think they're going to be good, but if there is a team that puts it like kind of speeds things up, Mm -hmm. I think that team is, is ready to do it. So yeah, kind of to paint a broad stroke here without getting into specifics, even with the negative odds, these, the favorites in the division are, are largely the best values to me at this point in time. And the second place team, you know, the, the team's projected, or have odds to finish second are like the worst odds Agreed. at this point in time. So I would just jump down. If you're not betting the favorites, I shouldn't say that for all of these, but for most of them, if you're not betting the favorites right now, I would just look to the either third or fourth place. So then would you recommend packaging two favorites Colts bills? Yeah. So that's kind of going to be the anchor in anything that I do right now is if I, I'm just going to bet that the bills are the best team in their division by a long shot in the Colts. And assuming that those two things are okay. correct, they, they, they might not be, but I'll add t- other teams that I like into those to just get better odds on, on all three. How but many, really how many teams, Dan, is too many in a parlay like this? 
Well, I mean, I really like those two. I will probably make, you know, three and four team parlays okay. with those two as anchors, in, in my opinion. Like, so for instance, another division, sorry, we, we don't need to skip over the Colts, but I think we did lay it out enough there that yeah. like, it's basically even odds right now. They're just taking a little bit of juice on that division. And we both like the Colts way more than it seems like other people do. And, you know, the Titans are one and a half. They have massive offensive turnover. Derrick Henry coming off, you know, a pretty significant injury. I just yeah. I, really the only thing that I trust there is Mike Rabel as a coach. And beyond that, I'm really not sure about anything we've got going on there. So, um, so then to kind of get back to what we were talking about, the Rams, for instance, are uh, the Rams and the Niners are, and, and you can, you can throw the Cardinals yeah. in as well, but I mean, the Rams are the favorites there. We don't really like the 49ers. So the, the Rams are enough, another team that I would kind of sprinkle in and, and add into those, those first two teams, Buffalo, Indy, and the Rams are. Kind so, of yeah. And you're I getting plus to. odds on those Rams right now. Is that because there's an, there's an unknown on Donald, the left tackle situation changed over. I, I guess Robert Woods for Allen Robinson could be discussed. No OBJ, just just a little too much Vaughn Miller out the door. Just just a little too much change to, to consider them strong favorites. Because I'm not sure Arizona got any better, right? They're kind of flatlined here, in my opinion. And San Francisco still has like four question marks, not to mention a potential quarterback change. So the fact that they're basically neck and neck with the Rams for this division is absurd to me. What At what point in time do the Rams become minus favorites here? Because it's got to happen eventually. I mean... Maybe as soon, like, I mean, maybe after week one, if they beat the bills or something like that, but you don't think if Donald signs an extension that that's going to move enough money. Um, I guess it could, I, I, it feels currently like that line is a bait, you know, is baiting us, but so that's like the only reason I'm a little bit hesitant. It almost seems too good to be true. So I want to like look down the board, but I, uh, I know you're not as big on the Niners as the market. And, you know, we both feel the, the Cardinals are, kind of the same team that they were last year. Um, there's value in the Cardinals, though. There, there's value in, in putting some stock in Kyler Murray figuring this thing off for a whole season. You know what I mean? It's not great value right. at plus 320 right now. But if the Rams, if that Rams money starts to move and they do become basically a, you know even odds team to win this division, that means Arizona is probably going to slip. If you can get Arizona in the 400s at 4-1 to one or so, that's probably a bettable uh, take, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. The, like we said, skip down to the third team, and those are probably where mm-hmm. you're going to kind of find the most value. Um, but that's going to probably change quickly. Maybe like as we approach training camp, and you know, storylines kind of get get printed, and you, you yeah. know, you know how it goes. I, I, there's going to be some separation there. It almost feels like these lines are a little bit like there. It's the market is just dead right now, and it's kind of just sitting there, trying you know? to so trying I'm, to draw, draw you in, as you mentioned, which is a good point. Yes. Let's get to the monster, yeah, so the I'm- AFC West, man. Then we'll get out of here. If I, if I just gave you all four teams with no odds, all four teams, and you were able to research their schedules and all that good stuff, where are you putting your $1 right now? No strings attached. <clears throat> it's a good question. I, I'm always hesitant to bet against KC, but I think, we've seen the writing on the wall for the last couple of years that, you know, there, there had to inevitably be some roster turnover. And I think they're kind of going through that phase right now. Now they're still really good, great quarterback, 
great mm-hmm. coaching staff, et cetera. But I, I think the door is open for one of the other teams to kind of jump in there at least this year. With- a lot of times we look for continuity and consistency and the Rams kind of blew that up last year and Tampa Bay blew that up two years ago. Right. And, and, the odds and the money and, and quite a bit, quite a bit, every single bet possible is on the Bills right now, who are this pillar of consistency, this single culture that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built around Josh Allen, and they really have not flipped too many pieces out, right? It's been about containing. So are you more likely to put your chips in, in, a, in a Chargers team that seems pretty consistent right now and it's kind of grown up together, or a Denver team that for the most part has been that homegrown roster, but now just dropped a a Stafford bomb and Russell Wilson on that team. Good question. I do like both of those teams, but uh, like, I know we've talked about this offline. I am a big fan of the chargers this year. I think this is the year that it finally, finally comes together. I feel like we've been saying that for the better part of Mm -hmm. the last five years or so, but um, they made a, they made a number of moves on defense. I think their offense, they re-signed Mike Williams. They have a quarterback there, plenty of, plenty of offensive weapons, a good defense, good coaching staff. I really, really like the chargers. And I think this is the year um, that maybe they unseat, seat the chiefs there. Now, Denver is Denver could very well be with the, both of them. And, you know, it could be a three team race, yeah. even four team race, who knows? But I just like, if, the, uh, if it's two and a half to one for both the Chargers and, and the Broncos, which it's, it is basically, uh, I'm going to lean the Chargers over what I haven't seen in in the Denver in the in Denver, I guess. If you gave me fifty bucks and said you have to bet on the AFC West division, the only bet I'm making is the Raiders. <laughs> it's the only bet I'm making. For, a for value, seven to one, and B because what didn't they do correctly this off season? You know what I mean, like. I, Everything that they were asked to do, every hole that we all established that they had, and obviously they knew it as well, including, by the way, including keeping Derek Carr, which, you know, you can have your, uh, your first take conversation about that until you're blue in the face. I, I just think they did absolutely everything they were, asked, they were being asked to do this offseason, maybe a little more. And, and why not? They, they are the best why not conversation, in, in, maybe outside of Pittsburgh in this entire, in this entire field is that. Is that silly of me to say? I, I understand what's sitting in front of them. And these four teams are going to battle it out all year long. But why not the Raiders? I like it. I like it, Mike. I, kind of um, like with Indy and Jacksonville, if you're not betting Indy, you might as well go all the way down to Jacksonville. Yeah. I kind of I like that as well with the Raiders. Like It's a team that no one is talking about. And at the end of the year, we could easily sit here and be like, oh, like we should have we should have been more on them considering what they did in the offseason. So I... it's a tough division and really it's going to come, it's probably going to come down to division record there. Like whoever just like beats up on the, uh, on the rest of the division is going to come out on top there. Um, But we know how those like the Vegas always plays the chiefs tough there. They always play division rivals tough. That's right. I kind of like that a lot. So, and Chandler Jones, isn't going to hurt that. Let's put it that way. Right. I mean, I I just think they've done everything we've asked. And if you're giving me that kind of value, I'm going to have to take it. Is the AFC North even worth talking about, or should we just skip it? I just think it's worth talking about. Well, it's really difficult to talk about without without the Cleveland stuff at hand. Um, I mean, I don't even really want to get into that no. because there's so many variables in terms of the other teams in the division. I mean, I mean, what do you think about 
what do you think about the other three? Is it possible that Baltimore doesn't even know who their quarterback is week one? Um, well, I guess, I guess that's fair too. That maybe we should, I mean, we're, we're kind of just blowing past this OTA uh, holdout as he just doesn't want to be there yet. It's early. It's voluntary. And that's, I guess he's saying that out loud, but at what, at what point does this become a contract dispute? <laughs> right. At, right. One, at one point, is this a real deal holdout? And, and I guess, you know, the backup has some experience, but I don't know. Uh, to me, you're looking at backup situations in this division outside of Joe Burrow, right? It's, it's Jacoby Brissett, probably the week one starter. I, I guess we can pencil in Lamar, but maybe it's Tyler Huntley. And then Trubisky versus uh, Kenny Pickett. I don't know. I, I don't know, <laughs> right? So if you're telling me I can get over two to one odds on Cincinnati, and, if, and while I don't love them, I don't know. There's no value there, but I guess that's where I'm throwing my, my 50 bucks here. Why not? There's really no, you're going to probably have to edit this out, but there's nothing on the Steelers there, right? Do we, do we not think there's a pulse there with Trubisky? I mean, I can kind of see it if I squint. Is that crazy? I'd feel a lot better if they did anything with their offensive line. Uh, They brought in a guy from the bears, which it's a guy from the bears. They, (laughs) they're certainly going to run the hell out of the ball. There's no question about that. And, And that's just Steelers football. The defense is exactly the same. They're, they're a sound defense. They're not, they shouldn't be nine to one. Let's put it that way. If, right, if Vegas is seven to one, Pittsburgh should not be nine to one because they just have, they, they just to me have an easier path to get in, in the hunt, in my opinion. So, uh, I don't know. The secondary should be good. They didn't replace Joe Hayden. There's a lot of question marks there, Dan. I, I don't think I'm putting a dollar on Pittsburgh this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about them as a 500 team heading into, you know, the end of December here either. Yeah, I, I think I might. I think I talked myself into at least getting a little bit of money in on like a Bills, Colts, Steelers parlay or something like that. I mean, okay, you, the way you laid out the uncertainty with the rest of the division, I mean, like at at those odds, the offense. There's two wide receivers, a tight end, a yeah. running back. I, I understand there's still no offensive line, but like you said, the defense is mostly returned. Good coaching staff, like there's a chance that like if Mitch Trubisky is like at all better than he was in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's at least well, a small, Dan, doesn't there, he just but... have to be better than 40 year old Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, how, what are we asking for here? <laughs> yeah. I think that's like the thesis of my point. So, but I, I don't like love it by any means. I'm not going to sit here and so you, say that I'm going to, you're out on Cincy. I mean, you you won't even say the Bengals name here. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think I'm out. I just like, I really think they kind of drafted into the playoffs and you know they like they 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 hit the ground running at the right time and and we've seen this in the past with the giants winning super bowls etc but um if if everybody thinks that they're the team that went to the super bowl last year like if that if that's just automatic again um i don't know if i'm like totally a believer in that but um I think you're right, though, in terms of if there's money, if there's just like simple money to be put on, you got it right now. Just put it on the bangles. But as a whole, I'm probably avoiding. But I'm just I'm just making a, a long shot point for the Steelers. So are are the Bengals the 2019 Rams who got to the Super Bowl with Goff and then basically were a 500 team next year? I, I don't want to make that comparison because I think Burrow was way better than Goff. OK, but um. I guess like the point is, is sort of, is sort of there. I just like, don't, 
I, I guess I'll put it this way that I just don't see the Bengals as bona fide yearly Super Bowl contenders at this point. I mean, we'll talk after this year and then I'll be more convinced if they put up like a recent season of that. But um, well, I let's think- do this because because we'll finish on this, man. Bengals and Rams, right? They, they, they were your your pennant winners last year, essentially, in, in the NFC and the AFC. How many teams in each conference right now are do you have ahead of those teams? So let's start with the Rams. Who's ahead of the Rams right now for you to win the NFC? Rodgers? I mean, I don't know. Pro- no, probably not. I still think the Rams are, are the team to beat. Okay. So you've got a lot more confidence in them than the Bengals. Where are the Bengals on the AFC list? Because I think there's a world where they could be not even in the top 10. Is that crazy? No, I guess that's a good way to put it. I mean, right now they're, what, tied for seventh in the odds? I have them eight. Yeah, tied for, no. Yeah, tied for seventh. Tied for seventh. Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Browns, Colts, Ravens, and the Bengals, and Tennessee right behind them. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but this is probably where they were last year, too, at the end of the season, right? I mean, nobody really believed they were going to make that playoff run as it was, so it's not like they're taking a major step back from an odds perspective. They just just outkicked their coverage last year, right? Is that what, what we all believe? That I guess that's the best way to put it from what I'm getting at. Yeah, I still think the offense is good, obviously, but I just, I don't know. I, I want to see a performance is what I, I want. One more prove it here, I guess. I think there's a lot of value there. I, I just look at it that way. I, I understand how hard it is to do, to do something twice in a row. And, and that's why the Rams are where they are. And, they're, and the Buccaneers are kind of where they are. The Buccaneers had their fallback year, right? They, they, two years ago, they get to the finish line. They have their slight regression year. They can't get it done all the way. Basically, Vegas is saying they're the team to beat in the entire league, <laughs> which I don't know about that. I think I, I agree with you. They did miss some pieces. They brought back quite a bit, but they, they are missing some pieces there. Do you think we see a, a, a buccaneers Bill Super Bowl? Do you, mm. think, do you think the favorites are right? Hmm. I mean, it's it, uh, I, it's within the range, but I'm going to say no. I think it's different. I, I, I don't think Tampa gets there this year. I think they something just doesn't stick with me right that I I don't know why I'm betting against Brady and probably his <laughs> last year, but... Um, yeah. That's fair. I'll say no. I'll say no. That's fair. All right, last one. I promise. I've said last one three times. Go to the bottom of these conferences real quick. You know, we've kind of given Jacksonville some love. We've given the Raiders and Steelers a little bit of love. What about in the NFC? I guess Detroit is 55 to 1 for the NFC. <laughs> you know, Atlanta's 100. Is there, is there anyone sitting there making you say, I, I got to at least throw 10 on this just to have it? Is it Jacksonville? Whew. Mm. I, I mean, oh, dude, I don't know. There's a lot of cross-offs here, right? I mean, Davis Mills isn't doing it. Zach Wilson, there's a world, I guess. I mean, the Jets, the Jets certainly got better. For them to be the second lowest odds in the AFC is probably incorrect because of where they're, where the the progressions they're probably going to take. But at what point do you say, 
I can't believe they're there when you start at the bottom and go up, either NFC or AFC. Um, maybe, man, it, it's a good question, Mike. Yeah. I, I'm going to, my eyes just gravitate towards the middle that I think some of those teams, um, might be overvalued. So I would just, I, I'm still at the point, I think, where I'm grabbing, grabbing more of favorites or just like the bottom of the barrel. So to answer your question, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, I think those are the two teams that just mm-hmm. for, for points we've already laid out are at least interesting to me. The Jets. The Jets are like at least interesting if you squint, I guess. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but like maybe the Jets like did enough that they take a major step forward this year, uh, you know, like the Bills did, you know, after Josh Allen's rookie year. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think Zach Wilson's that good. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lay any money on that. But um, yeah, the comp the conference stuff is just so. I mean the. That's, I, I just naturally gravitate towards the division stuff because I feel like it's a little bit more predictable. The conference stuff, there's so many variables. It's just once you get in the playoffs, who knows what happens. Yeah, and you turn um, back to the it, Bengals conversation. How much, when, when I ask you questions like that, how much do you think quarterback exclusively? Yeah, I think the quarterback stuff, yeah, I mean, to win the conference, we very rare conference Super Bowl. You very rarely see it um, with the subpar quarterback. I mean, as Jimmy Garoppolo has taken the Niners to several of them, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I just see to me, Dan, that. that screams Trevor Lawrence. Then, yeah, that's that's fair. Off, I, offense just speaks to me, right? If you right. have the layout for a potentially good offense, then I'm at least gonna, you know. I'm at least going to be in on it. Yeah, I think there's a world where I'm irrationally spending money on Jacksonville this year, and you may have to try to talk me off that cliff, but we'll see. I think that's been the byproduct of this conversation, and it's been a good one, Dan. Uh, we'll kind of lay out some bets here in our newsletters and put those out there for the general public, and if you want to bet along with us and, and get crazy and get stupid, go for it. And we'll continue to do this kind of stuff, right? We've got some mid-season baseball uh, projections coming up here. There'll be NBA offseason stuff we can dive into, and same with the NHL to some degree as well. So good stuff on this, Dan. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. All right. My thanks to Keith Smith. Follow him at KeithSmithNBA on Twitter and to Cousin Dan. Good to have him part of the conversation on a daily basis as well, really with every sport and all the betting world as well. Check out theathletic.com slash Spotrek. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription and visit DynastyOwner.com as these fantasy football world gets back into business with real NFL salaries. For Scott Edelman, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>